Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. I've got a tremendous uh, lady with me on the phone uh, today, on the show today. Uh, She is uh, a powerhouse. She is, uh, in my opinion, the poster child of overcoming Adversity. Um, she has a new book out, her autobiography called My Life. Her name is Kalana Lawler. How are you, my dear? Welcome. Thank you. I'm fine. I am feeling great right now. I'm happy. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for being with me today and taking the time out. Uh, your story, we talked a little bit before uh, uh, we, we uh, came on the show today. Your story is nothing less than amazing. It's also Extremely tragic, um, but you are, by the grace of God, uh, 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 a walking and living testimony of, of what your faith can do. Um, walk us through. <clears throat> I mean, uh, literally, this your it began uh, in your childhood with uh, your father committing. I mean, even before your father committed suicide, I think you were 12 years old at the time. Talk to me about your young life, and then we'll move, we'll come forward uh, to some of it, which is, you know, we could just do the show on that. That's enough. And my gosh, you've got so many other things here. But talk to me about that, your childhood, and, and where are you born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. And up to, up to 12 years, uh, in my mind, I was living a, you know, a happy childhood. My mom and dad was together. It was myself and my three younger brothers, and we were okay. I know they were having issues, but I didn't think, you know, to the level it was. She left my father and took us with her, and he was depressed. He got depressed about that uh, because she took us up. We were how, how, many, how, how many? How many brothers and sisters? Uh, I don't have any sisters. I'm the oldest, and I have three younger brothers. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was like daddy's girl. Understood. <laughs> so it was, it was, Got you. So it was a very special relationship, of course. Yeah. 
How did you find out um, uh, that your father had, had uh, taken his life? Uh, well, um, we had went to see him uh, the day before, my brothers and I. And he was he was on his knees and he was crying and he was asking us to come back. He didn't care about my mom coming back. He asked us, he said, I love y'all. I want y'all to come back. She didn't took y'all away from me. And she had moved this guy in that we didn't even have a clue, a clue who he was. So we said we're going to go back home with our dad. And we was on our way. And our cousin, the next day, the following day, and our cousin uh, pulled up and said, come on, y'all got to go with me to the hospital. And he didn't tell us until we got there, and they said he had shot himself. He was still alive then, but then they wanted to take us home. And they took us home, and then they ended up calling and telling my aunt he had passed. Mm. So, and that was really hurtful because we didn't have nobody. You know, we was mourning. And they looked at it like, okay, he's dead. So, but he was our father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't want that to happen to him. And, and it happened, and it, it bothered me for years. I mean. You obviously blame your mother for this, or. Uh, well, I, 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 I didn't in the beginning. I, I didn't. I, I was just happy to have a mom. So, mm -hmm. you know. But we didn't have a real good relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it had to do because of, uh, you know, me and my dad was real close. I could go, I was able to go to him and talk to him about things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was never able to go to her. She didn't know how to hug and embrace. My dad did. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. it was, it was like, it was like <coughs> day. so your mom wasn't really affectionate? Wasn't at all. Okay. Not at all. And, you know, we kind of looked at that as being mean because I hug my children and my grandchildren. I love them to life. <laughs> and I tell them I, I love them. But, you know, I I had to grow up. I had to grow up. And from 15, you know, I didn't like the situation. That's why I ended up getting pregnant. You, went to see, you were 14 and you went to see was a, you had a boyfriend at the time. Uh, so you're probably kind of mm -hmm. looking for love for, you know, somebody giving you attention, looking right. for kind of that fatherly love and that you weren't, an affection that you weren't getting for your mom uh, and clearly mm -hmm. could not get from your dad. So you went into this relationship uh, with the mind of a child uh, uh, of just wanting to be loved. Uh, and right. and uh, uh, walk me through, walk us through that. What happened with, uh, with, with your, uh, that boyfriend? And I'm very glad you understand that because a lot of people don't understand and I'll be telling them I was a child. Yeah, I wasn't absolutely. a daughter. Right. Yeah. And I had no one to guide me. Mm -hmm. um, she even sent papers for me to marry this man and I told her recently, I said, you sent me over to the devil because he used to beat me every single day. I had nobody. Nobody. No family member came to me. I was by myself. And how so old was I basically, he uh, when I was fourteen, he was eighteen, so he was too old to even be looking at me. Mm, okay. And, uh, and then uh, we were kind of dating, but you know, he like you said, he was showing me affection. He was taking me places, and we didn't do nothing. 
in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. at home. But she went out to the club and stuff, so we did nothing. Me and my brothers just sitting here and had to find something to do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so he, so, so he, you actually he, ended up marrying this, this, this guy. Yeah, because my yeah. ex-mother-in-law t- talked us into it. I didn't really want to, mm-hmm. but uh, she talked us into it. And I'm saying, please don't, because I wasn't living with my mom, because I ended up moving out. I, I didn't like living with that guy, and I knew if I got pregnant, she was going to want me out because she was worried about how she looked to her friends and family mm-hmm. because... You know, she's out So in one sense, she kind of like ran away from home. You ran into the arms of this guy who was showing you some kind of attention and affection and love mm-hmm. that your right. mother wasn't giving you. And obviously, you're still mourning from your father's death. I mean, it takes years uh, yeah. for that to happen. And as a child, you have no frame of reference whatsoever So and, and no one to talk to, uh, no counseling or, uh, or structure. So uh, right. exactly. it, it, it's just common sense. It makes sense that. <laughs> you would run into this guy, and unfortunately, he was not a good guy because you know, you know, he's eighteen. Most people still figuring it out for himself. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's like uh, hurt people, hurt people. Right, right. Yeah, he he was horrible at, at the. Oh, so when did the married. abuse begin? When did when did you notice the change? It shifted his attitude towards you, or did it start right away, or was it something? And of course, you know, you probably became addicted to the abuse in a sense because you didn't have really anywhere else to go. I didn't have nowhere else to go. You're right. Uh, but uh, it didn't start right away. It, it didn't start until we got married, the day we got married. And he mm. said I was looking at his brother who was not even attractive. In my eyes, he was not attractive. So I, and plus it was his brother. So I wasn't looking at his brother. But that's how jealous he was. And he hit me in my eye. And black my eye, and that's when it started. It started mm-hmm. after that. He he apologized the same old thing. I love you. I never do it again. And it started mm-hmm. almost everything. I was terrified of him. I was because he was like, "You better not leave me. If you leave me, you better not leave. I'm gonna hunt you down. I'm gonna kill you and the kids." He was always mm-hmm. threatening me. He would lock me in the house. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, my so daughter he, he, he said he hit you on your wedding night. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, he did. Wow. He did. Man, I was like, why am I in this? And I was mad. I was mad at his mother. I was mad at him. And I was mad at my mother for sending me over to him because she could have said no. And she did it. Wow. And I never did, I never did understand that. But right now I'm staying with her temporarily trying to get the money together to go to New York. And so we were sitting talking. She took me out to lunch. And I asked her, I said, why did you send me over to him? I, because these all these years, I mean, this happened. You, I was, like, young. I'm 54 now. So sure. uh, since I was 12, I'm telling you, it's been a, a life of hell. I have, uh, like, good days and then the bad days outnumbered. <laughs> the good mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's always bad luck. And like you said, uh, looking for relationships in all the wrong places. I'm, was standing like now I've been celibate for 15 years and I'm proud to be say that I'm that. But absolutely. But you you got pregnant. You you said you. I remember you said you even got pregnant on purpose. And I think the reason for that you said is because yeah. uh, you wanted. You know, it's it, it's it makes so much sense when you, especially when you're you're a baby, literally. 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, you're looking for love, and so now you have an abusive relationship, and so that baby gives you love that nothing else in the world can give you. It's right. like an unconditional right. love. Um, yeah. So that's in, that's the mindset that you have, not not understanding the consequences of, you know, I'm raising a human here, uh, but. You know, your child, how can you, you, you know, the brain doesn't fully develop until you're 26. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, young girls uh, don't have a chance out the gate. And a lot of young men don't have a chance out the gate almost at birth. They're kind of going through this, this process. So, so what, what age did you get pregnant? Uh, with my oldest daughter, I had her at 15. So okay. I had to be like 14. I, I had her at 15, and then uh, I married her dad, and uh, I ended up getting on, having another baby because he wanted another baby. He wanted a son, but I had another daughter, and he treated her different, too, because he wanted a son so bad, and uh, he uh, kind of didn't have a relationship with the kids, but, and, you know, they were all I had. And all of this uh, is, so, well, mind you, all of this is illegal because he's grown. You're you're a child, uh, right? Fourteen, fifteen. So this is absolutely insane. Just in that alone. Mm-hmm. And your mom signing off on that um, is it, is is unbelievable. So he started yes. he, he started abusing your 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 second child, your daughter. No, he didn't. He didn't touch. Uh, as far as we know, he never touched uh, my daughter. But what they did, uh, I had a third daughter by somebody else. And what he did, I had, when I had her, I asked them could they keep the two oldest just for a couple of days while I healed. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll keep, keep them. We're happy to do that. The next day, because I missed them, so... I wanted them to come home. So the next day I called, and at that time, we didn't have a project. We didn't have a phone. I walked, like, a block to the pay phone, and it's in the snow. And the call to tell them, ask them would they bring them back, would mm-hmm. if their mother, ex-mother-in-law bring them back. And the sister said, well, you ain't getting your D kids back, B. <laughs> she didn't say the letters. She said the words. Mm-hmm. And this before this is before I changed my life, so I went off on her and said, "Yes, I am." And they wouldn't give me my kids back. And I called the police, and the police said, "Y'all still married?" He said, "So there's nothing we can do." I was devastated. My goodness, and I was yeah. a young mother, but I, now, I so, fought. So you were still married to this uh, to this to this guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, still looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Well, sure that's, that's, that's the best best-selling song, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you 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 found this other guy who was also giving you attention that wasn't beating on you, wasn't probably calling you out any names, and then arguing, fussing, and fighting with you. You ended up having relations with him, having another child, uh, and and so so the levels of betrayal of your life. Uh, and of your heart it was just started to to uh, have a domino effect in a sense. Mm-hmm. Was did you? I think I remember you telling me some point you got kicked down the stairs or something like that. Yes, that's by my ex-husband. Uh, 
So at what point did you divorce? What, at what point did you you develop the strength and temerity to divorce your the first husband? And how old were you when that happened? Was it around 17, 18 years I, old? I, I was about, uh, yeah, about 18 when I divorced right. him. Okay. And, uh, yeah, because I, at 19, we were doing going through that custody battle. They wouldn't give me my kids, and, and they had that wrong. <laughs> I didn't lay down and take that lightly because my daughters were better off, although we were poor. They were better off with me because they had love. Those people, all of them now, I don't crack. I did not. They, they used to smoke a lot of weed at, in the beginning anyway. And mm-hmm. I didn't like my daughters around them. And then my daughters didn't like going around them. I thought they got older and I told them what happened because they were like two and three mm-hmm. when this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they came back, they were totally different. So I don't know what happened to them while they were gone. They had them for about four months. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let me talk to them or see them, and I don't know what happened, but they said they were crying every day for me. And then uh, one day, she, the ex-mother-in-law brought them home and said, they keep crying for you. Uh, we just going to bring them home. And it wasn't my weekend. To, then we had joint custody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my weekend. Mm-hmm. He brings them home. Go to the somewhere and call the police and say, I kidnapped the kids. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and, my gosh. and the police? The police said they. The police was a. They were appalled, and they said, "Look, now you got them. Keep them." And said so he said, "Go and file for a divorce and divorce that man." And that's what I did. After he mm. gave me an attorney, I, I got it pro bono. He gave me an attorney, gave me a call with the attorney's name on it. I called the attorney. I got my Lola is my maiden name. I got that name back and everything. Wow, that's amazing. You were were you ever in you were in school at some point? You had to drop out? Uh I when I was with my ex husband, he was really jealous. He was jealous and controlling. I couldn't go to school. So he made me drop out. That's why he was locking me in the house. See he locked me in the house, he would take the phones and everything. I had no way to communicate with people or anything. But one day he came home, he uh, you was asking me about when did I uh, leave? What uh, prompted me to leave was he when he kicked me down those stairs, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my daughter was sitting on the couch screaming and crying, and I was like, "Oh no, this is it!" And I was young, but I knew, uh-uh, I'm not taking this anymore because mm-hmm. either be dead or be him dead because then I'm getting tired of being beat. I'm getting mm-hmm. tired of it mm-hmm. having black ass. And when he came home from work one day, I was gone. At some point, because I mean, you know, you're here, here again, you're still a child. You're trying to numb the pain. Um, did you get caught up in, 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 uh, in drugs with your third child or at no. what, no. what point or how did that happen? I, I never did drugs. Okay. I, I never in my life, I never ever did that. And that's what trust my daughter out. They like, you never became a crackhead or nothing. They they tell me I'm strong all the time. I, I never did that, but I'm going to tell you what I did do. I used to drink beer a lot. And I didn't mm. start doing that until I was like 21. Okay. I, when I was like 21 or 22, and started smoking cigarettes. And I was like mm-hmm. 22, hadn't naked, thought beer was disgusting. But I was right. And when, you know, I was like, I needed something to take that off my mind. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I didn't, 
you know, like alcohol and I didn't like marijuana. I didn't like all that stuff. So the beer was my choice. And that's what I used to drink. And I used, now I say I was a beer holic, but I don't drink now and I don't smoke. I don't do any of that now. Mm-hmm. And it's been mm-hmm. like. And you were smoking cigarettes, I guess. You started that habit as well. Yeah. To, for thinking it's clearing my mind of all the hurt because. Sure. Absolutely. It's been. It's, this has been like, you know, the average person <laughs> would be to commit a suicide because you, the you were told that you were suicidal. So walk me through that. I mean, uh, obviously, thank God you were not successful. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, there are many souls that have uh, killed themselves for less. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. So, 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 what, what, what kept you alive? What made you decide to live? Uh, uh, I'm gonna tell you what. When I became suicidal, like all the things I had been through, the rape, the uh, abuse, because the second, uh, uh, my third daughter, her dad was abusing me too, so I ended up mm-hmm. leaving him. And I, this after that, that's when I was raped and. I just been through a whole lot. Then I end up getting pregnant and had a, a little boy, but it was stillborn. So it was mm-hmm. just things. So the rape was a stillborn baby. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know where that. Yeah, I I don't even know if it came from that or uh. the guy that I was dating at the time. So uh, I'm not for sure. And I that. I just hate even thinking about that because it's disgusting. And I, you know, I don't understand why people do that to women or men, keep children. I don't, don't understand. But uh, I had to raise, it's just a lot that got me to the suicidal point. I had to raise my grandchildren. I don't know if I told you this before. I raised them for 10 years. The mm-hmm. whole 10 years. Their mom was threatening me, cursing me out. I had to get a warrant taken out on, and this is my daughter now, my third daughter. Turns mm. on me, act like I'm somebody calling me bees, and said when I that's why the doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with me when I they that's why I'm gonna die, and when I die she gonna spit on my grave. So she was just horrible these whole ten years. So when I found out I had HIV because that's how I was gonna get that's when I was suicidal. Now, wait a minute. Let's go back a bit because this is, you know, for the people listening to this and hearing this for the first time, <clears throat> I don't know if there's a dry eye out there um, and, and and talk about a heavy heart. Now, how old were you when this happened? You were dating a minister or had met a minister because you had become saved. Um, yeah. Um, at, 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 at some point you said, okay, enough is enough, and you met this minister and you gave your life over to Christ. Walk us through that point. To the point where you, the, that that the HIV and everything occurred, and, and, and where you're at with your daughter, your third daughter. Uh, well, I I had met the guy before I got the children, so this is how long it was in my body. I didn't even know I had it was in my body for a long time. I met the guy like in nineteen, uh, two thousand or two thousand. Uh, 1999 is when I changed my life and I stopped everything completely and became celibate. Up until that point, I wasn't even doing anything because 
I had to have surgery, so I just didn't have the urge to be with no man and drink. So I was, and I didn't understand what was going on, but I think a lot of it too was the, it was my, God was calling me. I really do believe that because one night I was in the bed and I was crying and I just heard a voice and saying I was going to be okay. And that's why I got up and started writing poems again. I had stopped writing the poetry. I got up and started writing the poems. And then this guy, I wrote this book, and the guy seen me on Black Planet. And he sent me a message. So we started talking. We talked to like 2002. Mm -hmm. uh, So we talked for like a year. And then he was like, we're going to have to meet. And so I was like, okay, because he's telling me he wanted to marry me. He's a minister. So I'm like, he's okay. Mm -hmm. He's a minister. Mm-hmm. So, so you got uh, kind of like an online dating kind of thing you, uh, you, you, over a couple right. of years. You developed obviously a, a friendship that turned into a relationship that became intimate. Uh huh. And uh, one time, <laughs> that one time did it. Mm. I, you know, when I met so the him, minister, I was the young. minister is the one who gave you HIV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't been with nobody else. How did you find that. out that you had HIV? Because uh, 10 years later, it was 10 years later, mm-hmm. I started getting sick. And, and this is during the time that you're kind of having the fallout and disconnection with your, your third daughter. Daughter, yes. I had the grandkids then. Okay. They gone back now with her because I was, it's a long story. The book, it's going to make people say they read this book and they done cried because uh, I, when I found out I had HIV, I had been, at that point, I had been celibate for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They asked me who was the last person. I couldn't remember because I had dementia. <laughs> I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Because I, they, when I, in the beginning, I told them who it was, who the last person was. But then they asked me again later on, and I was really, really sick because in the beginning, well, they didn't even ask me in the beginning. I knew who it was. Me and my daughter knew because I wasn't with nobody. Mm-hmm. I was celibate almost three years, wasn't getting sick. I didn't start getting sick till after him. And I mean, like, Three days later, I still having little symptoms, but I never thought he's a minister, so I never mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. You never yeah. yeah. So, so I never thought HIV, and I had to get need to get tested because I wasn't having sex after him. That was the mm-hmm. one time, and mm-hmm. I just didn't do it anymore. Me and him didn't even talk anymore. He just fell off the face of the earth. He disappeared. He moved to Atlanta. He forgot who I was. And didn't talk to me anymore, which let me know he he was guilty. But you know, I I was made for a mi- little bit, but I got over that. But because I almost died from being foolish. Oh, absolutely. And, um, now there, as as your health began to deteriorate while you were <coughs> going through this, you know, horrendous. Uh, 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 disconnection with your with your third daughter. Um, you found out that you had full blown AIDS. Yes, uh, and dementia. Us, and dementia. Walk us through that because how did you how did you come back from that? 
uh, when I found out I had <clears throat> a, the depression got deeper, but I knew that me not taking medicine, what was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to be slow. I wanted to die. So I was okay. So you, stopped, you stopped taking the, medicine, the medications then? I stopped going to the doctor and everything. I stopped. Oh, wow. I was in denial. I said, I don't have it. I'm not claiming it. I don't want it. I don't have it. And I just didn't go for two, about three years. And I wasn't getting sick or anything. It's just one day. I guess the disease said, uh-uh. <laughs> I still haven't seen you. And that's when my daughter, uh, you know, I don't remember having the seizure, but they told me, they said they were real bad seizures too. And it caused dementia. So I don't have a memory. I lost all, I didn't know who my kids were. I didn't know how to walk. I couldn't take a shower. So they had to give me a shower. They had to feed me. When I talk about what they did, I get emotional because I love my daughter so much. You see, while I was a young mother, the only one that's different is that third one. My other, I have four daughters. The other three, they're crazy about their mother. They'll do anything for me. And they were there with me when I was sick. And they made sure I went to the doctor. They made sure I took the medicine. They couldn't give me the medicine because I wouldn't take it. So they had to come and make sure I t- take it. I would argue. I just didn't want to do it. I was just, I said, life sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this what life is? is, is am I going to keep going through this? And I wanted to die. I did. And I, I knew it was bothering my daughters. And you know, my daughter was so devastated one day. And she came in crying. And that's what made me change. She, they'd have told me a lot of times, Mama, you dying. The doctors had told them that I'm dying mm-hmm. because I had four blown days. My CD4 was really, really low. So coming out of it was a miracle. They didn't think I was going to come out of it. I came out of it. I came out. One day my daughter said, why are you up? I said, I just went to the bathroom and they were floored. <laughs> it was like, You've been going to the bathroom. I said, yes. And I told her, I said, I don't want to wear those depends anymore because I had to wear depends. I said, I don't mm-hmm. need those uh, because I could control my, it was like a baby. It was like they were mm-hmm. taking care of a mm-hmm. 50-something-year-old baby. And, uh, you know, she what she said to me, and she said, if I die, it was going to devastate them. It was going to devastate my grandkids. And so, Guy that God said, I'm a Mary. I'm not going to meet him. He's going to marry somebody else. That did it. And I mean, mm. all the times they try to talk to me, I will never listen. I'd be saying to myself, leave me alone. Get out of my room. Shut up. Go on. But that the day. Power of, the that power did. of love and legacy. The power of love and legacy. Yeah. That did. And she was That's praying, and I knew. Yes, and it brought me back. And I tell her all the time, everything they did, I'm telling you, when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, my God. It's, I, because it was like I was a baby, and they was watching me die. They was watching their mother die. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, it brought me back. It was emotionally it devastating for everybody. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. It was emotionally devastating for everybody. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because my mom seen me on Skype, and I don't remember that either. 
<laughs> they said I looked like a skeleton. I was like 98 pounds, and my hair was falling down. I, I was sick. I'm telling you, I, I was really sick. And now I'm not uh, a positive. I'm HIV positive. Wow. Because I did. I did what I had to do. They are, I'm undetectable. But I'm, so I'm okay. I got I'm okay. This is, you know, you, you are, you're going to make it hard for me to do the next interview with somebody talking about they got a problem. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> I can't even talk about my problems right now. I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going through some stuff right now, but. You know, I'm going to think about Twana and say, well, you know, if you really want to talk about going through some stuff, let me introduce you to my good friend Twana and Lola. Um, okay, so when did the – now, now you, you, you were kind of always creative, <coughs> and you wrote poetry, <coughs> you wrote yeah. screenplays, uh, when did, and then you decided – when did you decide to write this book uh, about your life? And thank God that you wrote this book about your life. I'm so I did have a, I want to say this publicly on the show. I'm so proud of you for writing this book and for telling this story because it's going to be a story that is going to heal so many lives on so many levels. Oh from mother daughter yeah. issues, from personal love issues, from depression yeah. issues, from male female relationship issues, for teens and preteen issues. Everything, it, the list goes on and on and on for those who contract HIV. It is the book. It is the feel-good book. I, I want to see this. Somebody's going to be uh, 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 turn this into a screenplay, make this a movie about your life. You need to be on Oprah. You need to be on all the shows. You are just amazing. So I just wanted to get that out and have that recorded before we go forward. So now let's go back to my original Oh, yeah, you this is definitely. Once I tell my daughter, you said that because my daughters tell me all the time, one day you're going to be on Oprah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's hard to get on Oprah. Yeah, well, yeah, it's hard to get on. Well, guess what? You already done the hard part. Look, you know, come on, sister. You already done it hard. So it's your time. It's your time. So, so you've always oh, been awesome. creative. You're welcome. You've always been creative. You've been writing poetry and, 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 and talk to me about the screenplays. And when did you decide to tell your story and write this book, My Life? Uh, after I had always thought I want to write a book mm-hmm. about that because when I was younger, I was going to this community college, and uh, and I did finish that. It was after I left my husband, ex-husband. And I got what I got, my GED, and I went to a community college, and I, I took a had an English class, and I wrote an article. I was writing it for my class, and he said, he asked me, can we put this in the uh, school paper? I mm. said, of course. So he pulled me to the side, and he said, uh, one day you're going to be a great writer. Mm. And I was like, yeah. Okay. You know, I really didn't think about it until I wrote this book. Then I thought about him because he did say that. And I always remembered it. But, you know, life was taking me all kind of curves, sure. up and downs, up and down. And I just wouldn't write. I when, just you're living, when you're living your life and living the life, you, you, you don't think about writing about it. But right, you write right. in the middle of it, yeah. 
And then it was my daughter. They said it was prophesied that uh, like 16 years ago, I was going to write a book that was going to heal the nation. Mm. So I never knew what the book was going to be. But then when I went through this sickness and I almost died, and that's when both my, when my two oldest daughters, it says time for you to write the book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, for real? <laughs> so I was like, I got to pray on it. So I prayed on it and it was time. It was mm. time. And I said, well, God, if you want me to do it, give me a title. And I started hearing the song, My Life, back, uh, Mary J. Black, in my head. And I said, oh, my God, my life. And then I told my daughter, I said, that is a good title because it's your life. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. You know, I, I said, well, we got to have, uh, you know, a subtitle. And that's when I came up from, from tragedy to destiny because. My whole life has pretty much been tra- tragic, but c- coming back from death, near death, was my destiny. And Absolutely. Then, and because of that, I've met some wonderful people. You, mm-hmm. I went, uh, I spoke uh, at a, a women's conference in mm-hmm. Dallas on May the 3rd. Mm-hmm. Had the women stood up, gave me a standing ovation. I'm the only speaker who got a standing ovation because of my story. Mm. So what you said is true because because of my story. They came up to me when I came off the uh, stage. They all rushed up to me, wanted to hug, wanted to kiss, and they were telling me, thank you for being bold enough to tell your story because mm-hmm. now I want to tell my story. They was like, you make a meet then I want to be bold and share it. They was like, because I can't get up there and say, you know, I done been through all this stuff. But it's life, and I, a lot of people can't say they did that. They could say, I can write a book. <laughs> I'm telling you, a lot of my so-called friends, <laughs> they'd have said that after I wrote this book. I can write a book, too. Mm-hmm. But then read my book and and take my life, because mm-hmm. I don't think you better to do it. Because, like <laughs> my daughter said, a lot of people be done really committed suicide. But for one, I had the love for God. And I have to give him all the honor because he kept me going. He kept me. I'm telling you. He told the me. Under, the undercurrent of this entire story is, is love. Undercurrent yes. of this entire story, yes. the entire life is love. It was. It started with. It started with you seeking and trying to find. Well, the love of your father and your fa- and your family. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Been seeking love, uh, trying to fill that void in absence of your father. Uh, then the love of your children, uh, and having a, you know a little baby look up at you with unconditional love and 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 love you and and follow you around all over the house everywhere you go, <laughs> and then uh, the, the the you know and then you kind of uh, f- fell out of love with yourself and stopped loving yourself yeah. in a sense and yeah. said I'm I'm just going to give up I I, I you know I I keep looking for love, I keep asking for love, I keep being honest and vulnerable to love, and I keep getting betrayed by love or by those who do not know what love is. And so you right. gave up on love for a moment, but then it was it was your, your daughters who looked at you and said, Mom, and, and communicate, you know, truth recognizes truth. Sometimes you can't put it into mm-hmm. words. But they'll look at you and say, hey, Mom, I love you, you know, this would devastate me and devastate us and devastate your grandkids and the legacy that you're going to leave behind. This is not, you know, you dying is not your choice right now. 
and it was that love right, right. that brought you back. Mm-hmm. And so this whole story of your life is a love story. So I, yeah. I just, I, yeah, I, I, I totally commend you on, on this, Thank on, you. on your journey and, and, uh, you know, I can't say enough how proud I am of you. What's next for you? You've got eight grandkids, Jeff. I know you're busy. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I don't, you know, I, I raised them five for 10 years, so I'm on a break from them. <laughs> my youngest almost every day, and she's been driving me crazy, but she's cute with chocolate cupcakes. <laughs> but she's just, you know, when you said about following, she does that, and she's six years old. She follows me around the house and looks up to me, and, you know, she loves her. They call me Ganna, and she loves her Ganna <laughs> because I was a young grandmother, so I was like, uh, y'all not, don't call me granny. <laughs> yeah, okay, got it. You don't feel like a grandmother yet. I said, call me. So I made up the name, Ganna. I said, call me Ganna. And all eight of them call me Ganna. Their friends call me Ganna and everything. So that's my nickname for them, Ganna. But uh, it's that. Uh, I'm having a, a little hiatus from the hiatus from the grandkids. I need a break. Okay. So I'm enjoying okay. my break. You, you deserve it. Out. You thank absolutely you. deserve it. Yes, you, you've earned that. You've earned that. Um, we're running out of time. What I'd love to do, how, how can people get in contact with you? What's your web address? And I know they can get the books uh, on, on Amazon, Barnes and & Noble, and everywhere uh, books are stores are, books are sold. Uh, what is your web address, and how can people contact you for speaking engagements and, 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 and what have you? Yes, I'm going to uh, uh, leave my email address, and they can email me because I'm not using that uh, Tawana Lawler anymore. Okay. And they can email me, and then also as far as the book, it's not really ready, but uh, they have to get if they really want it and they want the full story, the real story, it's in the second edition. Well, the second edition is what we're talking about, and since this is pre-recorded, yeah. we will release the interview when the book is available. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that way you don't have to worry about anything. So, so just you know, speak as if the book is out and ready yeah. and available. Okay. So. So how can people get in contact with you? Uh, well, they can go to uh, Barnes & Noble. It's going to be on Barnes & Noble's Amazon. It's going to be on Amazon. And they also can email me with any questions at mylife4861 at AOL.com. Fantastic. Twana, I'd love to. I, you know what? I want, <laughs> I, I'm going to speak it now and, you know, how you speak things in power and it comes in if you wish. And I want you on my live video show. I want the world to be able to see this live around the world. And I want you to be able to tell your story. We'll figure it out. We'll find out how we can make it happen. But I want you to come back on the show. I absolutely adore you. I think you are the best. Uh, and thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. God bless you. We'll talk soon. Bless you too. Bye. Right. Bye Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.